This is My Child Will Thrive, and I'm your host, Tara Hunkin, nutritional therapy practitioner, certified GAPS practitioner, restorative wellness practitioner, and mother. I'm thrilled to share with you the latest information, tips, resources, and tools to help you on the path to recovery for your child with ADHD, autism, sensory processing disorder, or learning disabilities. My own experiences with my daughter, combined with as much training as I can get my hands on, research I can dig into, and conferences I can attend, have helped me to develop systems and tools for parents like you who feel overwhelmed trying to help their children. So sit back as I share another great topic to help you on your journey. It's episode eight of the My Child Will Thrive podcast, and here's what's coming up. And because we know that our kids often have digestive dysfunction, which then in turn impacts their A quick disclaimer before we get started. My Child Will Thrive is not a substitute for working with a qualified healthcare practitioner. The information provided on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat your child. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any information or treatments that you have learned about on this podcast. There are many gifted, passionate, and knowledgeable practitioners with hundreds if not thousands of hours of study and clinical experience available to help guide you. Part of our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools you need to effectively advocate for your child so that you don't blindly implement each new treatment that comes along. No one knows your child better than you. No one knows your child's history like you do or can better judge what is normal or abnormal for your child. The greatest success in recovery comes from the parent being informed and asking the right questions and making the best decisions for their child in coordination with a team of qualified practitioners in different areas of specialty. Now on with the show. Welcome back to the My Child Will Thrive podcast. I'm excited to be talking to you today about something that many people might not be that interested in, but uh, I am, and it's digestion and how it impacts our kids. And the reason why I find it so interesting is because it has such a major implications on many things for our kids. We know that uh, our children are constantly in a state of stress and therefore their digestion is going to be impaired because that puts them in what's called a sympathetic state as opposed to parasympathetic state, meaning that they're in a fight or flight state all the time and that impairs their digestion. We're going to talk about a bit, bit about that. And because we know that our kids often have digestive dysfunction, which then in turn impacts their microbiome and that can impact the function of the brain and many other things in the body. And we are working really hard to feed our kids the right food, but if digestion isn't working, then they're missing out on all those great nutrients that you're providing them. So, and even if you're supplementing, they may not be able to digest the supplements and absorb them if their guts are damaged due to poor digestion. So there's many, many reasons to take a really close look and revisit your child's digestion on a regular basis because it's really easy to get caught up in all the other things that we're doing for kids and not go back to the basics like diet and digestion on a regular basis. So what I'm going to do is just walk through what digestive dysfunction looks like in the first place. So just to see if maybe your child is suffering from this. A common list of signs and symptoms of digestive dysfunction are things like 
diarrhea, constipation, which unless your child's having a bowel movement uh, one to three times a day, uh, normally that happens, should happen right after a meal, then your child is clinically constipated. And many people don't realize this. We'll talk about why that's so important a little, little later on. If you're seeing undigested food in the stool or your children have light colored stools that float, sorry for all the poop talk, but it's, it's important, and uh, stools that aren't properly formed. Uh, and if you aren't familiar, there's a thing called the Bristol Stool Chart, and you can get a link to that on uh, the My Child Will Thrive website for, for today's episode of the podcast, uh, podcast number eight. And that chart shows you the different types of um, stools that your child, child should be, could be having. And the, number four is considered the, on the chart, is considered the normal normally formed stool. If your child is, has bloating or gas, um, a lot of our kids look like little um, Buddha babies. They have a, t- a belly that sticks out predominantly. It doesn't mean that they have extra fat there. It's that it's the gas that's or constipation that's pushing the, the uh, stomach wall out. Um, obviously, belly pain. Uh, kids often are complaining uh, belly pain, and and unfortunately, uh, physicians aren't able to determine what's the cause of that in most cases. Um, and they, the, the kids aren't able to articulate whether they're verbal or nonverbal, um, really where it's coming from and um, how it's impacting them, other than it, that it hurts. They're, a lot of the kids do what they call posturing, which would be leaning over a table or a couch to put pressure on the belly to relieve the pain. Uh, that symptom is often seen in children that are nonverbal, uh, but it can be seen just sort of as a normal habit of your child to be doing that on an ongoing basis and you just think it's them leaning. If your child had colic in the first year of life or uh, vomiting or reflux, those are signs of just digestive dysfunction and this would be also seen as heartburn or reflux in the second year of life and beyond. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but that typically is a sign of low stomach acidity, not an excess of acid in the stomach. They could have fussy eating habits or picky eating, uh, meaning they'll only eat a handful of foods, and that's a very common thing with our children. If they crave sugary and starchy foods only, like cereal and bananas, breads and cookies, or they have nausea after eating a meal with more fat, which is tips, tends to be an indicator they have a difficulty digesting fats. If they don't like or aren't interested in having any proteins like meat, again, it's a typically a sign of poor digestion. If they have, they suffer from gallstones, eczema, dry skin, or muscle cramps, and many there are many more symptoms, but that's just a list of the most common ones. So, as I mentioned, the reason why we need to know about how digestive system works is that it, it is really important to um, help to break down and provide the nutrients of the you know our kids' bodies need to keep functioning. And every cell in the body uh, requires these nutrients, and they the cells in your body make up the tissues, and the tissues make up the organs 
So if you aren't getting the right nutrients to feed the cells, then you're going to end up with tissue dysfunction and organ dysfunction and system dysfunction in the body. So it, it has a, a downward spiraling effect on the, the body's metabolic function as a whole. Um, if your child's digestion isn't working well, then they'll be missing out, obviously, on nutrients. And therefore, this can have also a significant impact in detoxification. The digestive tract is one of our major organs of, or major pathways of detoxification and also of immune function because 80% of the immune system is located in the gut. Um, because the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, it encases it's around the, the bowels. So having poor digestion and then creating an imbalance in the intestinal or in, in the microbiome in the intestines is going to impact both detoxification as well as immune function. The key to this in terms of when you're looking at it is that digestion is a north to south function. It starts in the brain. And in order to trigger the digestive cascade and properly digest food, the body must be in what, what I was talking about before, the, the rest and digest state or the parasympathetic state. Uh, and that's the, the part of the, the nervous system which is called the autonomic nervous system. Unfortunately, our kids are, as I mentioned earlier, are constantly in a sympathetic or a flight or fight mode. And you've probably heard that before, and you can see that in your kids on an ongoing basis. They are stressed about everything. They may be stressed because they are not getting enough sleep. They may be stressed because they have trouble with their sensory um, inputs. They can't handle all the sensory inputs they're getting. They could be stressed because they have a chronic immune challenge, and they also can be stressed from their chronic gut function dysfunction. So... There's many things that contribute to that, um, not to mention the immature um, nervous systems in terms of many of the kids do not, uh, sorry, integrate the primitive reflexes that trigger that flight or fight mode in the first year of life. So there are so many contributing factors that, that make digestion a challenge for our kids because they can't get their bodies back into a parasympathetic state to get digestion to work really well, which is why we see such a long list of symptoms of digestive dysfunction in our kids. Again, I mean, we can go into the details of how digestion works, but very in a very compact way, <laughs> let's just go over sort of the cascade of how digestion happens. So once you or your child sees um, the food, the brain is supposed to trigger the salivary glands in the mouth to produce enzymes um, that start the digestion of carbohydrates primarily, but there are other ones as well. Once the food is chewed and then swallowed, the stomach produces gastric juices, which include hydrochloric acid, which is the, um, the, the acidity in the stomach, in addition to the, an enzyme called pepsinogen, an intrinsic factor. And these help digest the proteins and also cleave off the minerals from the food that your child is eating. In addition to there's mechanical breakdown when the stomach is churning, this activity um, 
in particular, when we're looking at the pH level dropping in the stomach, so the acidity level going up, once that's happened, will trigger the opening of what's called the pyloric sphincter, which is, is just the valve at the bottom of the stomach, which releases the partially digested food that's gone through the mouth and now and through the stomach into the upper part of the small intestine, which is called the duodenum. Once this food, which is now technically called chyme, is released into the intestine, if, if there is the appropriate, if enough stomach acidity is there, it will re- trigger the release of mucus that will then protect the lining of the small intestine and also the release of the hormone secretin and cholecystokinin, or CCK it's referred to, in, into the bloodstream. And those two hormones then signal secretin signals the pancreas to release two different things into the small intestine. Uh, one is bicarbonate of soda, which is like baking soda, and that actually brings down the acidity of the food so it doesn't damage the, the lining of the small intestine. And also it the pancreas will also release pancreatic juices which contain all the digestive enzymes that help further break down the food. That other hormone, cholecystokinin or CCK, signals the gallbladder to release bile into the small intestine. And that's needed um, for the breakdown of fats so they can be absorbed. So it breaks down um, the fats into lipids that can be absorbed into the body. By the time the, the, the food or the chyme leaves the upper part of the small intestine, it's almost entirely digested assuming that the digestive function is working properly. And this is really important. The carbohydrates at this point have to be broken down um, into glucose molecules and proteins have been broken down into amino acids and polypeptides, which are just small chains of proteins. And fats have been broken down into fatty acid and glycerol molecules. The next thing that happens is called peristalsis, or really what that is, is contraction of the digestive tract, which in the small intestine is triggered by the release of the bile from the gallbladder, which then moves all these, the peristalsis of the contractions, then move all the absorbable molecules into the lower part of the small intestine, which are are called the uh, jejunum and the ilium. And there, there are millions of villi and microvilli, which are like microscopic finger-like projections along the surface of the small intestine, which absorb the nutrient molecules then into the bloodstream. After that happens, the leftover chyme, or that food that's been digested, which is at this point indigestible fibers, uh, it has some bile, some water, and some sloughed-off cells, then moves into the large intestine through the ileocecal valve, which is just, again, another valve to separate the small intestine from the large intestine, where a lot of the bacteria reside, or your microbiome. The large intestine's job is primarily to recycle the water and the waste material that then nourish the colon cells, and also to capture any of the the leftover nutrients that are still available with the help of the, the microbiome or the bowel flora. And that flora actually produces the vitamins K, B1, B2, B12, and butyric acid, which is a a short-chain fatty acid. The final step is that the nutrient extraction and generation process um, is 
complete when the waste or feces is expelled from the lower, uh, the large intestine. That's really long. I said it would be short, but that's about as short as I can make it. Explanation of how digestion is supposed to work. But the reason why I wanted to walk through all that is that when you understand how it works, you can understand better how a roadblock anywhere along that chain of, of events that needs to happen in digestion can have a massive impact uh, further down the chain. So, for example, let's just start right up in the brain where we said if your child isn't able to get themselves in a parasympathetic state in order to be in the rest and digest state, state, which is required for that digestive function to work properly, then everything that happens after that is going to be impaired. They will not be able to generate enough stomach acid, which then will not mean that they aren't going to be triggering the right amount. They won't be breaking down the proteins enough in the stomach, and they won't be, um, they won't be cleaving the minerals off and they may end up with reflux, and it it goes on and on and on. So there's so many of these things that then can go wrong. What that means is that we, we know with most of our kids, we are going to have to do some kind of digestive support along the way while they're healing and while we're getting them out of the fight or flight state. Um, There are things that can be done um, initially. But for now, what, what I would suggest for you to do is to start out to see what type of... Di- the, the first step would be to figure out what type of dysfunction your child has. So the first step I always recommend is to start with a, a food, mood, sleep, and poop journal, which you can download from uh, for free from the website, uh, the My Child Will Thrive website. And what that does is, is you have to track what they're eating, Um, and their corresponding mood, um, their sleep for the day, um, and what their bowel movements look like throughout the day. And we try to do that for as long as possible so we can see the trends in there. It's amazing what you can find out when you start to write these things down. You realize all of a sudden that maybe your child isn't drinking enough water, or maybe their bowel movements aren't as good as you thought they were, or you can see how the lack of sleep has a direct impact, or whatever it might be. As I mentioned earlier, the Bristol stool chart is really helpful when you're doing this. Um, Sometimes uh, it's just easier to write down and reference the chart as opposed to writing down, you know, specific details. Not everybody's comfortable doing that about your child's bowel movements. Really taking a look at your child's nervous system, autonomic nervous system state, whether or not you think that they're in a parasympathetic or rest and digest state, or you think that they are in the fight or flight state when you sit down to every meal. And then once you've had a chance to write all these things down and observe them with your child, you can then start to see where in the chain of events of digestion you might need to support your child. So now that you know a bit more about how the digestive system works, you'll want to start looking at why, what, what symptoms does your child have that may indicate that they aren't digesting well and what 
this, this impact it's having on their health and then what you can do about it. So for example, if you think about the first trigger in the digestive cascade, the brain, if your child is not relaxed or in a parasympathetic state, um, which is often the case because of chronic stress, um, it can be physical or emotional as we went over a few of the things that would cause that with our kids being their sensory overloads. It could be um, a number of things, frustrations over lack of speech. It can be um, chronic viral infections or um, other immune challenges. And also, if we're just not sitting down and eating our meals um, in an unrushed state, which is unfortunately not the case for most of us these days, then we're not going to be in that parasympathetic state when we sit down. So that means that that brain function isn't going to be um, optimal. And as a result, we're going to see um, a deficiency in salivary amylase and other salivary enzymes. And salivary amylase is required to break down carbohydrates. And so the carbohydrates that your child is eating um, are not going to be digested properly. So what signs or symptoms would you see if this was happening with your child? Well, you're going to see a lot of starchy carb cravings because those undigested carbs are actually going to feed the bad bacteria further down in the gut and start to create dysbiosis. And... Um, which is an, an imbalance of the good and the bad bacteria in the gut and um, yeast and other um, organisms. You're going to see uh, an increase in f food allergies or intolerances um, because what it's going to lead to is gut uh, dysfunction, a leaky gut, and create uh, food intolerances and, and allergies. You're going to see an increased uh, amount of gas uh, in your with your child and constipation or diarrhea. So this isn't a complete list, but those are some of the signs and symptoms that you're going to see if your child is having trouble um, with being in a parasympathetic state and therefore not getting the salivary amylase they require to digest their food. So what then you have to ask yourself then what types of interventions can you talk to uh, about your practitioner with for your child. Uh, things like digestive enzymes uh, can help with this. Um, there are essential oil blends that help with putting your child in a, um, back into the switching into the rest and digest state. There are other things that you'll want to look at in terms of addressing the chronic stress, the root cause of why they aren't getting into the, the parasympathetic state. And that, that list can be fairly long and, and complicated, and which is why uh, your practitioner will be very helpful in that. So because there are so many different types of digestive tr triggers, I should say, for digestive dysfunction in that digestive cascade that we talked about earlier, when digestion is working properly, and because each step is codependent on the one before it, uh, it is really important to go through each of these um, areas of digestive dis dysfunction, look at what could trigger that, and what that would look like in terms of symptomology, and then look at the interventions that you can talk to your practitioners about. And in order to do that, you take your food journal, food, mood, sleep, and poop journal that... Um, that I mentioned already. And uh, with that, that information, you can also download, I have a free um, digestion cheat sheet on the My Child Will Thrive website that you can download 
that will walk you through all these triggers and um, the possible cause for the trigger to, to be released. And then the resulting dysfunction, the signs and symptoms that you're going to see and what types of interventions. So if you um, go to the website and download that cheat sheet, you will have a great tool that you can help, you can use in conjunction with your food, mood, sleep, and poop journal to see if digestion might be the key to some of your child's symptoms and um, the, the root cause of a, a number of the different dis- dysfunctions that you're seeing with your child. What I can tell you is that clinically, if digestion isn't addressed, a lot of these things that we're trying to do with our kids won't resolve because the kids, the, our kids just won't get the nutrients they need in order to heal uh, and support the other metabolic functions in the body and their immune system and their nervous system, etc. So looking into the foods your child is eating and the nutrients they're getting and then making sure that they actually get them um, by way of proper digestive function, whether that's independently or supported in some way by supplements or otherwise, um, or certain types of foods, which you'll see in the cheat sheet as well. that's the the best way to start um, making sure that you're supporting all the other activities that you're trying to do with your child. We want to make sure that we are um, having to do as few interventions as possible. And uh, by looking at diet and digestion, you'll be on your way um, to having success with the other interventions that you may look into as well and making sure your child is properly nourished uh, in order to grow and thrive. So if you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear them. You can comment right on the website um, under this podcast, and this is podcast number eight, or you can go over to iTunes and give us a reviews uh, and comments over there. I would love to hear from you, or you can jump into the My Child Will Thrive Village Facebook group where uh, we have a growing community of parents uh, and practitioners that are working together to help their children thrive. Thanks again, and we'll be talking to you again soon. So that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me this week on My Child Will Thrive. I'm so passionate about giving you the tools and information you need to help your child recover. And as they say, it takes a village. So join us in the My Child Will Thrive Village Facebook group where you can meet like-minded parents and stay up to date on everything we have going on at My Child Will Thrive. This is Tara Hunkin, and I'll catch you on the next podcast or over at mildchildwillthrive.com.